Have fun, damn it. Yeah, blow some bubbles. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. Michael Kalori, my usual co-host, is out this week. So Boone Ashworth, who produces our show, is stepping in again as host. You better watch out, Mike. You're going to want to hurry back because the people love Boone. They love him. Hi, Boone. <laughs> hey. Uh, I, probably a poor substitute for Mike, but uh, I do have one quality that he does not. Which is? I am physically here. <laughs> you are here, and you were not only here, but you were there at the Samsung event on Tuesday, which we're going to talk about. Also joining us from our New York office this week is Wired Senior Associate Editor Julian Chikatu. Hey, Julian. Hello. So we're going to talk all about phones today, but not just about phones. Bigger topics, too. But let's talk about Samsung first. Okay, the company held its annual Galaxy Unpacked event this week in San Francisco, where it announced three new flagship phones, some new earbuds, and then another go at a folding phone. So I had some hands-on time with that. Later on, we're going to talk about that flashy new flip phone, why smartphone companies are still having these big events for phones, and how Samsung's new devices fit into the bigger smartphone market. But first, <laughs> so Boone... <laughs> This was also your first ever smartphone launch event. Julian and I have been to quite a few of these, but this was your first one. It was. Uh, it was a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it was exciting and, and also overwhelming at the same time. So Boone, we asked you to carry around a microphone and record your first impressions of your first ever smartphone event. And here is some of what Boone observed. Not going to lie, I was a little bit nervous for my first big tech show. But Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked was just a couple hours away, and there was no turning back now. It is a beautiful day to sit inside and talk about phones. When I got to the event, I met up with Lauren and our multimedia producer, Alicia Kochi. Uh, okay, we're walking into the building. Lots of black light in here. Our first hurdle was navigating through the crowd. Can't get, can't get past the people taking photos of the galaxy sign. Oh my god. What's happening over here? I don't know. This looks like a laser maze. I don't know how to not be in the way. So this is the thing about smartphone events, is that the smartphone companies will often try to reel in as many influencers as they can. And these okay. are people that you look at at the events and you think, I don't really recognize them. I, I don't think they're super famous, but they're famous in some internet circles and they have influence over the products people buy. So let's, let's bring them in. And they typically tend to be better dressed than the rest of us. From there, we moved into the main room. Okay. This feels like a mid-sized megachurch. Then we waited for the show to start. started and waited okay everybody is filming the samsung commercial hey am i going crazy or are they playing the same thing over and over and over again over and over okay over. it's not just me nope. All right, okay. and waited this is the fifth time they've played this in a row and waited well people are cheering this time oh 11th time's the charm and finally it began oh, oh here we go yeah. 
There were big reveals. <gasps> it's a phone that folds. Some varying crowd responses. Some questionable music choices. And lots and lots of flashing lights and overpowering sound. An hour later, the event was over. And to change the way you experience the world. Thank you. Shell shocked, we filed out of the building, surrounded on all sides by a crowd of buzzing tech journalists and product reps. We keep getting blocked by rotating TVs. Every now and then, one of these TVs will just rotate, and it, like people have to reroute oh, around oh, it. Oh, oh, okay. It's and then it was time to leave. If anybody wants to just like lay down for a while, <laughs> I'm cool with that too. As soon as we got back to the office, I found a dark, quiet room. All right, uh, I am back from Samsung's Galaxy Unpacked, and I'm a little worn out. My brain is full of Samsung, and I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> Boone, you survived. Barely, barely, yeah. <laughs> I think my number one takeaway from that was don't ever feed the influencers. Yeah, that's fair. And watch out for uh, rotating TVs. Julian, you weren't there on the ground with us on Tuesday, unfortunately. But what did you uh, what did you make of Boone's experience? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I remember the very first, I think the very first major event I went to was CES. So I am thankful oh, that for him that he experienced something that was a little smaller scale. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, it's, it sounds about the correct experience that you're supposed to have when you're attending one of these. It's just an absolute mess. Yeah, it was definitely interesting. Um, we're we're going to talk a little bit about that more later in the episode when we unpack Unpacked. Uh, <laughs> How quickly you learn bad puns on podcasts. <laughs> First, I feel like we should get into the actual meat of it, though, into what was announced, uh, the, the phones. Yes, because... take it away. Okay, so... First off, Samsung announced three flagship phones. This is the Galaxy S20 line. They skipped 11 through 19 and <laughs> went straight to 20. Uh, so we have the Galaxy S20, the Galaxy S20 Plus, which is basically the same as the S20, just slightly larger. And then you have the Galaxy S20 Ultra, which is just a beast of a phone. Uh, and by beast, I mean it's just heavy. It's just a huge phone. Boone, you're being so polite. I'm going to tell everybody what's in our notes here for the podcast. Boone actually wrote, the Ultra is batshit. <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of is. You look at it and it just like, the back of it has, I think, six holes in it where the cameras are. There's <laughs> there's four different lenses and all, all this stuff. It looks it looks like a Franken phone. It looks kind of terrifying, honestly. Um, but 
the specs that are inside of it are pretty ridiculous. Um, all the phones have these really nice OLED displays. They have 120 hertz refresh rate, which is crazy fast, probably faster than you need. All of the phones are 5G ready whenever 5G happens to be a big thing in the US. Um, and also they're all really expensive. So they start the S20 starts out at $1,000 and then the S20 plus is $1,200 and then the Ultra is $1,400, which is a lot for a phone, at least to me. The big selling point, though, for Samsung, and especially in these phones, is the cameras, of course. You know, the, the spider-eyed monstrosity that is on the Ultra. Um, all of the phones have something called Space Zoom, which I feel like we should give an echo and reverb to that. Space Zoom! Um, which on the S20 and the S20 Plus, it's 30x, 30 times. And on the Ultra, it's 100 times zoom. So you can zoom all the way in to just like something you can not even see in real life. And it's uh, it's a lot. It's it's a little too much. Uh, Julian, you actually played with these phones, I think more than either Lauren and I did. What did you think about the cameras? What did you think about them in general? Um, are you going to incorporate space zoom into your daily life? <laughs> yeah, so that was space zoom was one of the things that I highlighted in my hands on on wired.com. It was just such a ridiculous name. I feel like every time I hear it, I just think of Space Force, which is like another one of those ridiculous names for a th like a thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a chance to try out a hundred times zoom. Even just, I think yesterday, I, I got another chance to look at it and I was zooming in on the World Trade Center, which is where I'm in right now. And um, yeah, it, it's something that I don't think I would ever use. I mean, I guess if I really wanted to look at something really far away, sure, uh, I would never ever really feel like taking a picture with it or you definitely need a tripod, but it's just nothing looks good at 100 times zoom because in the end, it's still just, uh, you know, digital zooming in on something and that's never going to look good. So, uh, you know, 30 times was actually okay. It's just still one of those things that I probably wouldn't really use either. But 10 times is really where things are looking pretty good because that's like a hybrid optical zoom and that actually offers up some pretty good quality when you're when you're shooting at 10 times. And, you know, most phones don't have that capability for going anywhere near that far. So I think 10 times is something that they should have maybe focused on and maybe highlighted a little more because especially in the back of the phone, when you see 100 times, you, you're expecting something like great. And just to have it fall so flat and just be something that I just don't want to use is kind of disappointing. Julian, what did you think of the 8K video capture? That is another one of those things that I feel like it just didn't, like, I understand that they're trying to pack these phones with all the latest tech. And just because you can shoot 8K, maybe they should have just saved that for another phone down the road because no one has an 8K TV right now. You can make an argument that creative people can shoot at 8K and then they could crop in and still have good quality. Um, but, you know, for the most people, having this feature on all of these three phones 
is just so ridiculously like unnecessary because it's 8K. Like I don't have. I just got a 4K TV two years ago, and now you're telling me I can like in their press release they say you can shoot 8K on your phone and send it to an 8K Samsung TV. No, I'm not gonna spend money on a Samsung 8K TV. So uh, I just think that is totally unnecessary. I really wish that they did something like a Galaxy S20e. Last year they had the Galaxy S10e that was like their $750 phone. I think and it was something that was a little more cheaper than going for the 900 or thousand dollar galaxy s10 having something like that in this range because this range currently make, makes no sense the prices are just so high and the features between all of them are so similar that i feel like they could have just made a galaxy s20e and just you know took out 8k or took out 5g you know features that most people probably aren't going to be able to use this year anyway so i don't know just I, it's just too much. Yeah, Samsung smartphones at the high end tend to be pretty ridiculous. I tweeted this at the event, but it's like when you go to an Apple event and they're talking about their phone camera, they're just like, it's the best. It's the best phone camera. That's all you need to know. Yeah, we're not. We can't really explain why. It's just the best. We make our own <laughs> processors. It's great. How very and Apple. also we're so private, you know. And then you go to a Google event, and Google is like. Yeah, we're you we're so good at software and AI that you could take a picture of a teddy bear and we're gonna make it look <laughs> like your face. Like they just you know they they have like all this crazy like backend software technology that makes the camera better, even if they have a single lens or something like that. And then you go to Samsung and they're like, it's just a spectacle. It's just a total spectacle of camera specs and every other kind of spec. And other whiz-bang things that average consumers don't necessarily need. So I totally agree with, Ju with Julian on that. And I will say, too, the Flip is probably another example of that. This is the Galaxy Z Flip that I had the chance to play with after the Samsung event. It's Samsung's newest folding phone. It's $1,380, which happens to be significantly less expensive than last year's Galaxy Fold. So I give Samsung credit for that. But the most interesting thing about it is just that it has this flexible, ultra-thin glass display. It's just, it's shiny. It looks like a shiny makeup compact. It's like, it's, it's kind of a spectacle. I don't know, Julian, what did you think of the flip? I liked it. I also have been, uh, I spent some time with it yesterday, but I also have been using the Motorola Razr. And that review actually just went up on wired.com earlier today. I wasn't very favorable to it, but I found that in my week of using it, I like the clamshell design. I just don't like Motorola's version of it, but the clamshell design is actually something that I think a lot of people would like because just take your average smartphone right now and fold it in half. Please don't actually do that. But just think about that and now put that in your pocket. It just sort of changes the way, like I have so much more space in my pocket and I think that's a great thing. And that's something that I think a lot of people are gonna appreciate. And so I can see clamshell designs definitely here to stay. And I'm really excited for what that means with the flip. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and you're not going to want to miss it. So Samsung doesn't have these big events and launch phones in a vacuum. They have stiff competition, both from Apple and the lower end of the smartphone market. Plus, not just Samsung, but all mobile phone companies right now are trying to make their announcements against the backdrop of the coronavirus, which is now being referred to as COVID-19 and has now claimed more than 1,100 lives and is having a broad macroeconomic impact. So frankly, it was a little surprising that Samsung even went ahead with its event, especially since Mobile World Congress was just canceled. Julian, what did you make of this? Yeah, I mean, 
I'm a little bummed about MWC, but of course it's always better to be safe than sorry. So it's totally understandable. And I do think that the GSMA did have a lot of stringent protocols for, you know, keeping things clean and, you know, encouraging people to do elbow bumps rather than uh, handshakes. And uh, from some of your tweets, Lauren, that I, I saw that Samsung didn't really have that many protocols or anything really outside of maybe having like a doctor on site or something like that. So it is kind of strange that they did just not consider uh, the whole, you know, backdrop of this, this coronavirus going on. And uh, maybe they should have canceled it, but it seems like so far, no problems. Yeah, what was interesting about it was that they did have signs in the restrooms and around just the whole arena. Um, we were at the, by the way, we were at the Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco that were, you know, showing steps to mitigating your risks of contracting the coronavirus. It was basically just wash your hands, right? And they were next to like soap dispensers and hand sanitizers and that kind of thing. And then they were using this company called CrowdRx, which has been around since the late 1980s, that often works large events like concerts and sporting events. And typically what they do is they create a little, um, you know, a mobile ambulance kind of setup for emergencies and that sort of thing. In this case, they said that they were scanning for fevers, actually, as, as people from the crowd were entering the the venue, um, which I had never seen before. And I don't know the specifics of what kind of technology they were using to scan for fevers, but I found that pretty interesting. But yeah, then during the event itself, Samsung made no mention of the virus. Um, and then the very next day was when it was announced that MWC, which is the world's largest mobile event in Barcelona, was canceled. So I don't know if Samsung at that point had just invested too much time and money in this thing and they were determined to announce these phones. But another thing to consider, and, and Julian, I'm wondering what you have to say about this too, is just how many times these phones are leaked in advance now. And if they're leaked that much, do we really need these events? Yeah, so there's been a couple of those events where you just sort of know everything about a phone before you get to the event. And for example, the Pixel 4, Google had shown us the back design. Really, when it came down to the actual event itself, we didn't really learn anything new. Uh, everything was sort of already leaked extensively, and that kind of made it for a not-so-exciting or interesting event. Uh, and so those are the kinds of things where I think maybe it can fall a little flat. That's why I always like it when companies do sort of save something uh, just so that it's just a little more interesting and exciting and fun because, you know, we're all writing about tech. It's sometimes not so much of a serious thing. We just want to have fun and see what's new and see all the cool new crazy things that are coming out. And so for us, I think it's also very much uh, fun to be excited and, and feel excited when you're at these events because – why feel why try to feel something else when you're flying all the way across the country to go to an event right so um for me it, I, I i don't like it so much that when i'm seeing all these leaks coming out because yes you're getting a heads up on the phone but also it takes away a bit of that fun um but uh i you, you can't stop the leaks i i guess my question for you people who know what you're doing is why do you do this to yourselves because <laughs> after a day long of just being inundated with Samsung, I, I kind of felt like it sort of turned my brain to mush. And I wonder if, I mean, is that the whole point? Is that you go to this thing, because it when you're there, it is like being in a vacuum, right? It is all Samsung. That is all that it's about. And that's very much what you're expecting. Um, but at a certain point, I kind of... I kind of felt like I was inside of a Christopher Nolan movie because it was just like constantly bombarding me with light and sound and just inundating me with its message. 
And then by the end of it, when we left and came back to the office, all I could think about was Samsung. All I could think about yesterday was Samsung and their products and whatnot. And it, it seems like it just sort of, it, it fills your brain to the point where like, that's all that you have. And I, I, I think that's what they want. I, well, exactly. And so I kind of wonder like, um, so many tech companies do this. I mean, all of the big tech companies do this. And do we get to a point where, uh, do we keep covering this as news or is there a way for them to like make these announcements without the bombast and without all of this, you know, crazy light shows and, and disco party? Um, or is that something that we still want? Do people still want that excitement when it comes to a product announcement or is that sort of feeling a little played out? Well, first of all, it's interesting that you make a Christopher Nolan reference and not a Michael Bay reference. Remind <laughs> me to show you a clip afterwards. <laughs> Julian, you probably know which Samsung event I'm talking about. Um, but two, there has been some chatter in recent years. Bloomberg has written about this. The New York Times has written about this, about how in some ways these events, um, they're becoming increasingly tone deaf uh, when there are so many other things going on in the world um, when sometimes it seems as though these companies are targeting new products to a very specific market and they're not inclusive of everybody um, or just when it seems like yeah we're it's another phone uh, you know and I think that the goal is to get you in that vacuum and to like create this level of its excitement and hype is kind of this kind of hype machine but it's our job also as journalists to not get sucked into the vacuum and two to offer the broader context so we're not just saying hey this phone costs a thousand dollars therefore you probably have to pay a thousand dollars for your next phone we're saying as julian pointed out well yeah but last year there was the galaxy s10e which was actually a less expensive phone or pointing out that samsung also has a lower end to mid-range phone line called the a series which was incredibly popular in india and then samsung started broadening it out to other markets and that's a much less expensive phone or pointing out maybe you don't need a samsung phone at all maybe it's another <laughs> phone that's going to you know suit you and your daily needs i mean one of the things that i've been most interested in at events recently is how I think companies, tech companies, are trying to position some of these products as the future. They'll say, this is better camera technology, you know, 100x zoom. Here's a folding display. And look, it's not polymer, it's glass. This is the future. We're pushing the envelope and we're innovating. And that's true to a point. But if you look at the near-term numbers, the growth that's happening in smartphones, since smartphones are now mature, a lot of the growth is happening at that mid-range you know, end of phones, right? Like it wasn't the most expensive iPhone that was most popular last year. It was the 10R. Um, it is that lower end to mid-range A-series for Samsung that is helping to sort of fill in the gaps for the company, right? And like Huawei is doing, I was just going through the IDC numbers from third and fourth quarter. Um, like Huawei is still, you know, number three in global smartphone shipments. They're doing really well. But IDC pointed out that the pricing of its Mate 30 phone has been a limiting factor. So there's going to be a certain you know, segment of the population that's going to say, I'm not going to spend or I cannot spend a thousand dollars on a phone. And it's definitely our job to remember that, I think, and like bring it all back to reality. Yeah. One of the things I like doing when I'm live tweeting these events is sort of tweeting out like things that you can get that are similar from other companies or pointing out where, oh, but that feature is missing or, or just pointing things out when, uh, a company is so into and hyping up their products that are coming out because I feel like, like Lauren was saying, like, yeah, it is our job to sort of do that. And I think that's something that you kind of get and, and start doing the more you go to these events. And that's kind of what makes these events kind of fun because 
yes, the company, it feels like when you're there, they're just trying to convert you to this Samsung uh, loyalist or something like that. But it's so easy for me to now just like tune all of the, that stuff out and just focus on what they're announcing and sort of just compare it to the rest of the industry and just also point out when things are absolutely stupid, like 100 times Space Zoom. <laughs> space right. zoom do it again boone space zoom <laughs> you want to do it together <laughs> yeah. just put an echo on it it'll All sound right. great <laughs> another thing to consider too is that when people make smartphone decisions purchasing decisions they're often deciding not on the fanciest hardware but they're deciding on which ecosystem they want to live in you know if they're using an iphone they're usually pretty stuck on iphone and so then it becomes a question of like well which of these can i get the best deal on just so i can stay in ios and use all my apps and like be on iMessage with my family and friends um, and then if someone's really into Samsung, that's another decision they're making. And if there's somebody who's already decided that they want to buy the Galaxy Note because they love the S Pen, that's just the one they're getting. Like Samsung could literally announce that it like, I don't know, you can like grow a plant out of it. And they'd be like, cool, you know, I just want the S Pen. So yeah, like I, there are um, other buying factors that come into play here that I think the companies kind of want you to forget about when they're announcing the, the absolute newest stuff. Yeah, and can I just point out that if you have a Galaxy S10, please, you do not need to buy a Galaxy S20. <laughs> Best recommendation you're going to get of the day. You should. I hope you all listen to this podcast for this entire time just to get to Julian's point. Uh, all right. You've both convinced me. Uh, I can't wait till the next one. I can't wait for you to go to the next one either. It's going to be so fun. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do recommendations. Welcome back. Julian, what's your recommendation this week? I have been playing around with the Pixelbook Go, uh, a Chromebook from Google that came out late last year. And we have it in our recommendations of best laptops at unwired.com. But I have to say, I just really like this thing. I've been using the MacBook Pro for the past couple of uh, months and the 16-inch MacBook Pro. So that thing is massive. Uh, so going to something like this, which is super light and still just great all around, including a great keyboard. Uh, it's uh, it's a it's an A plus from me. All right, and how much does that cost? That is starts at six hundred and fifty dollars. Cool. Plus, he says the keyboard is great. <laughs> I mean, as we know, <laughs> keyboard is rather important. All it has to do is work. <laughs> all according to Taika Waititi. <laughs> Boone, what's your recommendation? Uh, okay, my recommendation, I was kind of hesitant to recommend it. Uh, I am not a reality TV person. I don't watch those shows. I always, like, I'm cynical about them and think they're dumb. But I've been watching The Circle. Uh, the Circle on Netflix is a social media reality show. And if you're not familiar with it, basically they have uh, eight people, I think, and they're each in their own room. They cannot see each other. They can only communicate via text message and uh, a couple of photos that they put up. And some people are catfishing, some people are being their real selves, and the goal is simply to be the most popular, be the most well-liked. And it sounds horrible, it sounds like something straight out of Black Mirror, and it kind of feels like that, but it's also so compelling and so weirdly genuine, and the characters, the people who are on there, you kind of... I know they're all competing, but I really just want them to all be friends and just hang out. And I cannot believe how invested I am in it. Uh, I'm only halfway through this season, so I'm probably going to have my heart broken by the end of it, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, it's 
weirdly entertaining, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So you're saying that if people have free time over President's Day weekend, they should watch The Circle. Just watch the entire thing. Just (laughs) all weekend. And then tweet at Boone. Tweet your (laughs) thoughts at Boone. Yep. My recommendation this week is a very specific podcast episode. Some of you may listen to The Daily, which is the New York Times Daily podcast. I don't listen to it every day, but once in a while. And um, late last week, they ran an episode about Clearview AI, which is this facial recognition startup that has been amassing um, this massive database of faces basically scraped from public sources on the internet, all of our social media profiles, and uh, licensing this technology to law enforcement. But the podcast episode, which features a uh, reporter, Kashmir Hill, who had originally written the Clearview AI story for the New York Times, um, dives into what are the possible implications of this kind of technology, the ethical implications, like there's definitely sort of a scary surveillance state implication here um, if this technology gets used in other sectors or just gets used more broadly even by consumers what the potential for that is and it's it's pretty it's a pretty good episode so i recommend um giving that a listen and uh yeah that's my recommendation this week definitely a sobering look at social media yes for sure all right that's our show this week thanks to everybody for listening julian thank you so much for joining us again thank you for having me and boone Thank you for wearing multiple hats this week, producing the podcast, hosting the podcast, covering the Samsung event. It's been awesome. I, it's been great being here. Thanks, Lauren. If any of you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. The show is, of course, produced by our own Boone Ashworth, and our consulting executive producer is Alex Kappelman. Bye for now. We'll be back next week.